Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. If you make the first move and you make that positive move and you have that positive energy and genuine like altruistic desire just to make things better, people gravitate towards that. That's the kind of people that people want to help. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised L.A., and I created We Are L.A. Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of the show. Enjoy. Hi, this is Joseph Ogin and I'm a product manager. I built platforms used by AOL, Coca-Cola, and National Geographic. I love listening to We Are LA Tech because Esprit and her team really make it easy for us to understand the LA Tech community and really break down how companies and users can utilize this new emerging technologies to build businesses and connect with their communities can follow me online at josephhogin.com. That's Joseph Hogin, H-O-L-G-U-I-N.com. Join thousands of people in LA Tech on our We Are LA Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. We all have to be so careful as driven creators to not burn out. That's what today's personal spot is about. It's about how to kind of recalibrate, how to be aware, how to give ourselves permission to like not have to grind hard. I know the last week I've been doing a lot, but I've just been feeling so unmotivated. Like I don't want to work out, don't want to do this, don't want to do that. And I find that when I push against it, and I'm like upset at myself for being unmotivated, it becomes worse, it becomes more intense. And sometimes, I mean, everybody listening to this podcast is driven. That's just, we're a set of driven people. Like we attract one another, that's just how we are. And so we have to be gentle with ourselves when we need time to heal and recoup. And and it's also okay not to be game on and David Goggins like every single day. It's all right to have down days and I think I know I've gotten really hard on myself for that. And when I see my friends get really hard on themselves for that, it just makes it all so much worse. So be gentle to yourself. It's okay to nap. It's okay to rest. It's okay to take some days easy. It's okay to take some weeks easy sometimes. At the end of the day, what true success is, is to enjoy our own bodies and our own lives. It doesn't matter how many followers we have or how much money we make or what kind of accolades or status we receive. All that matters, like the true definition of success is are we enjoying our own life and are we living our life purposefully? That's it. It's everything else is just like really vanity, you know? So I hope that helps in your journey a little bit and enjoy the next episode. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast, spotlighting LA Tech companies and talent. So excited for our next guest who just moved from West Hollywood to Santa Monica. I can't wait to get into it. Welcome, Mark. Hello. Hello. That's a great introduction. Thank you so much. <laughs> Love the energy. <laughs> oh, thank you. To kick things off, go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. And then let's lead right into like, I'm so curious about why you relocated the team from West Hollywood to Santa Monica. But first, tell us about your company. Cool. Yeah. So my name is Mark McDermott. I'm the co-founder and CEO of ScreenCloud, and we are a SaaS uh, platform for digital signage. So we help businesses um, all over the world, uh, big and small, uh, to manage their networks of screens and communicate to their customers, their teams, their students, whatever that might be. 
So we're based out of LA and uh, prior to the pandemic, we were based in uh, West LA and we had a really nice space. We were over at Village Workspaces, if you know those guys. Yes, I'm very um, familiar. Yeah, so not so West we Hollywood, really nice that was more like West LA. Yeah, West LA. Sorry, yeah, yeah, West yeah, LA. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. And we, we just kind of outgrew the space a little bit. The team's got bigger. And I think there's a real buzz going on down in Santa Monica. We've got a nice space that we've literally just kind of signing the final deal on like yesterday. <laughs> uh, so it's completely empty. Uh, it actually looks, it's kind of got that lovely urban feel. Um, looks really cool. And um, so the team have been dealing with that this week. I haven't actually physically even seen it yet, but they, they went in fast, found a space, fell in love with it. And uh, we'll be moving in in August. And the primary reason really is it's it's kind of an area where the talent wants to kind of be. It's a great place yeah. to work. You've got that kind of extra sort of social life afterwards down towards the beach. So just feels like, because we're going to be expanding the team quite a lot now, um, that this is a, a, just going to be a little icing on the cake uh, when we were out making those offers to, to the great talent that we've got here. Did you move from essentially like a co-working space to your own space or is this a co-working yeah. environment as well? I know it's going to be our own space. Yeah. So we're kind of, we're, we're going out of that startup stage uh, into the growth stage and preparing for, for bringing on quite a lot of, of new people. And also partly it's to do with um, being a kind of B2B SaaS company. Uh, security is a huge deal uh, to our customers. Uh, we're SOC2 compliant. And one of the big parts of, of SOC2 is actually kind of people security and data security and security of your systems. And that's much harder. It's, it's achievable in co-working spaces. Yeah. But you can have so much more autonomy when it's your own space. And uh, we can just, you know, we take it really seriously. And it's now just, it, we're just at that stage of evolution where it just makes sense. We can have it all our own way. Um, we've got room to expand. So, yeah, it's exciting times for sure. I'd love to dive in, like, for you to walk us through who your customer is and that experience. But before we do, because I think it is so helpful to our community, especially all of us thinking about should we go back to get an office now after we've been working remotely for a year. Um, what are some of the questions you think we should be asking ourselves to make those decisions? Yeah, that's a really, really uh, pertinent question. I mean, it's actually a question that we not only kind of face ourselves as a company, but also all of our customers, because as you can imagine, screens tend to live in public spaces like offices. So a lot of the projects that we're working on right now is helping our customers with that communication and how they're going to adopt going back in after all of this. If I were just to speak about our own culture first, yeah. I think that we've always been flexible in how we've worked and how we operate. So we've never been insistent that people have to be in the office. Uh, but likewise, we've never been fully remote. That was that we weren't by design. Um, I always felt naturally that having a kind of three and two system uh, just worked very well. And for our original offices, um, this is what we started. And it just, to be honest, we didn't design it. It just evolved that way. Like we were just being pretty laid back and we were like, you know what, actually there are days where we want to do deep work and they are better off done at home. And then there are days where we want to be together, we want to brainstorm more and have more of that kind of, the community feel and that sort of osmosis effect of right. information passing between people, just so critical. I would say early stage, late stage, whenever. And I think actually, if I look at the last 18 months, if I look at the problems that we're kind of facing now culturally, it is the fact that that teams who are siloed away from each other just haven't had that natural kind of crossover we've right. onboarded a lot of people who we've physically never met and haven't met other people and it's really difficult to go slack someone that you've never even met before and ask them a direct question or like ask for some help if you just don't know but if right. you've met that person even if it was just for a coffee or just kind of in passing you just feel that bit more like able to go and talk to them right and, and 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 as we've onboarded more and more people in this time i start to see the silos and the splits that just weren't ever a problem for us culturally before and it has resulted in you know in some in some sort of small problems which we're, we're working on but you know we've just started going back into the office in we have four different locations around the world so uh, in in the usa uk and also in thailand right so in thailand right now covid's really kind of spiked up so everyone's at home but in the uk and us we're, we're basically in the process of coming back in wow. and everyone wants to everyone yeah. wants to really and i think it's been Oh, yeah. Interesting. That's fascinating in itself. I mean, first of all, the perspective you're able to have globally 
very interesting. Two is I'm just remembering, you know, back when people were like, "Woo, I get to work from home." I don't know, and now <laughs> people are begging to come back. Mm. Really? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, if we take, say, for example, uh, well, London and LA, I think culturally is very similar. Um, like a lot of the people are living in shared like flats and things like that. You know, I've seen a lot of our colleagues working from their bedroom. And that's just super unhealthy. I've also seen the hours of day that they tend to be working really stretching out. So first thing in the morning, they're getting up and they're getting on the computer. They're like on late at night, often, you know, it, it's not, it's not right. You know, it's not, right. it's not healthy to be connected just to one room and like have everything happening. And I think that we had, a you know, it's been like the lockdowns have been pretty severe in both the UK and the US. And uh, I think it's really affected everyone's mental health a lot. Mm -hmm. And we've just started going back in and just having, you know, socially distanced. We're not letting everyone back in because we're being responsible about that. So we're kind of taking it in shifts and turns and things like that. But just the atmosphere, everyone just feels a bit like a weight has been lifted. You do a Zoom call and you do a Zoom call for a reason. Right. You don't just go on Zoom and just sort of shoot the, <laughs> I don't know if I, I well, should say that. Well, Mark, unfortunately, you know I mean. some people do, which drives me bananas. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, I, I get Zoom fatigue, if I'm honest. Me like, too. You know, yeah. So if, you, if I've done like six hours of Zoom in a day, I just... I just feel absolutely exhausted Same. and often I just sit on the sofa at the end of the day and just basically fall asleep or something. Totally. But you know what? I did a day yesterday where I did at least 50% of my meetings were in person. And at the end of the day, I felt energized. You know, I've, I, it was it, the, the atmosphere in the meetings was more lighthearted. Um, we didn't feel so constricted by time. We didn't because an hour goes in and you do yeah. the hour. We didn't like, we didn't really think about time. We just kind of, did the meeting until we didn't need to do it anymore. And, right. you know, it was like, oh, it's 25 minutes. Yeah. Fine. That's, we, we're done now. Hey, let's go and grab a tea. Or, you know, um, I actually said to one of my colleagues, I was like, why don't we just go for a walk and, and do this one? It was like lunchtime. Yeah. It was a really nice day. Was yeah. Like, yeah, let's go out and, and walk around. So yeah. we've lost that kind of informality and that playfulness in our environment by being these like, oh, it's a meeting. It's in my calendar. Yeah. I've got to turn up. Here's the agenda. It's just like, wow, wow, we really got a bit rigid here. And that isn't where the creative stuff comes from. It isn't where the those accidental moments happen, the the way that the, the friendships which can occur just by between people who just right. have nothing to do with each other in terms of their role, but everything to do with each other in terms of their personality. Right. And I just think that like I'm not saying that what happened. I think it needed to happen given right. what, what we've experienced and what, what yeah. was happening, but it's, it has had some serious negative effects, which we need to now redress. And I have nothing against fully remote. Um, but I think that that is a very intentional culture that you need to instill from day one. And I think the type of people that are going to be attracted to a fully remote uh, business, you know, it's going to really suit them in terms of the location they live, maybe their family situation, their own personality, whatever, whatever that might be. Right. I think when you're in major cities like London, LA and Bangkok um, and in Belfast, Northern Ireland, which yeah. is the capital of, it's a small country, but it's, yeah. it's capital. People who want to work in those environments, they want to be out in, in the city, having the full city experience, which is your job, your colleagues, which become friends often. Right. And what happens after work, what happens before work um, and just the buzz of, of that. And I think, yeah, we've lost that. And so so companies that went full remote and then now are coming back out, uh, I, I expect most people to want to go back in when they feel safe. And obviously that's yeah. a critical thing. We shouldn't be, if people don't feel ready, then the timeline should be as long as people feel you know, yeah. ready to do it. I just thought it'd be really helpful for people to have a perspective, like an insider view, someone who's made that decision to get the office space, because I know that's what everybody is going through right now and thinking about like, do I, do I not? Which way are we going? So it's nice to have an insider peek into like your thought process. Let's get into your customer experience um, so everyone can understand one, if if this applies to them, right? And um, have uh, an understanding of how your company works. So let's talk about who is your customer and, and how do you wow their life? <laughs> mm. 
Interestingly, with screens, screens kind of, are, they live everywhere, right? So um, often when you talk about digital signage, people default to what they're most, um, they most see and understand. So they think about hospitality, they think about screens in bars, airports or retail or quick serve restaurants showing menu boards and things or advertising. So they're kind of like your front facing screens, which the job of that screen is really to get you to buy things or to engage with the products or, or, or the, the companies. We do that and we have a, a huge amount of customers. We have eight and a half thousand customers. So we really do span a lot of different verticals and different use cases. But the area that we are kind of specialist in and that I think is is really intellectually like the most challenging uh, rather than sort of just showing video ads on a loop right. uh, is um, screens which face internally into the business. Mm -hmm. So they could be in the back office of like a retail location or in the corporate HQ showing dashboards and data, internal comms from HR, COVID compliance updates or more cultural updates. Again, welcoming new joiners to the team, celebrating work anniversaries, sharing stories across different locations. So our typical customer is kind of a mid-tier to large enterprise um, we do have a lot of SMB, which we're kind of where we started. We're a bit bottoms up in how we've gone over on our journey. It's just right. probably not, not, not surprising for SaaS. So we have a whole load of wonderful SMB clients, but increasingly we're, we're kind of moving into that mid and mid tier and enterprise. So they have like multiple locations, possibly multiple countries. Their problem is typically that they have a workforce, which is spread out, not just geographically, but also in what they do. So we work often with companies that have deskless workers. They may be people who are in education or out front serving customers, manufacturing, things like that. They don't have computers and phones in their hand and uh, they don't even have company email addresses. So how do we communicate to them? How do we get them connected with what the company's trying to achieve mm -hmm. and connected with, with each other? We use screens. So the screens are just these large ambient messaging platforms which we put into uh, kind of, coffee areas uh, like and rest areas and things like that and that's how we get the messages through to, to those people so it's really a communication platform that's where we like to kind of spend most of our time thinking about I mean am I misunderstanding is this mainly an offline product meaning like there needs to be teams working in office spaces in order for this because it sounded like you have a version that you could have in home too but no yes we do, okay. we do have that as well. Yeah. So okay. we have um, at home embedded versions that we can run inside of like intranets or Microsoft Teams and things like that. Okay. So that's that's like what I kind thought. Of, yeah. 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 So we have that like that individual update thing. And then we also have like the screens, which are more in the spaces where people are. So a lot of our customers couldn't close down during COVID because they're frontline workforce. So when everyone else was not able to travel and see them, like how did we get messages to those people if they don't have a laptop or a phone? we install screens and that became the communication channel of choice um, because it was around them as they worked. Sometimes delivering information kind of critical to like, so if it's like a logistics company, oh. it's like, okay, well, here's the, here's how many packages we've sent out in the last hour. Here's the backup, like often call centers will use it as well. Um, but how do the people say in head office who can't travel go and address them? So often like even a broadcasting a town hall, and we, we, we integrate with Zoom, for example. So you can do a Zoom and then push out to all these screens and have all these people stand around and see them. So it's really just trying to make, you know, our, our spaces, our workspaces, regardless of what they are, they're, they're internet connected now. But you can't see that. Like the internet is invisible. So how what is the visual layer of communication of all of these different products? Well, that's what ScreenCloud does, is it effectively puts a visual layer on what's already happening digitally around you. Mm -hmm. But unless you had a device in your hand or on your right. desk, right. how would you see it? How would you get right. to feed back into it? And that's I what get, the screens are there for. It's so hard for me. I, I'm someone who's backpacked for four months without a computer or phone. And yet it's still so hard <laughs> for me to envision not having <laughs> a computer or a phone to see a message. I'm picturing myself like in a hospital or something where you're running yes. around and your life doesn't mm. revolve around a computer like all of us in tech. And so you're not checking emails or text messages no. or anything. You're racing around to do your job and there may be an important message. And it, yeah, it, yeah. So so I'll give you a couple of examples. So like in a retail store, like I won't name, it's one of our biggest customers. I won't name them on yeah. here. We're not allowed to. Yeah, yeah. But they're a huge, huge American 
retail um, company. And, you know, the email address is the store name. So the store manager gets the emails and that every day they might get like an Excel spreadsheet with the results of the day before. And then they may or may not like print that out and stick it on a wall. So people actually know how they're performing and how, the, how they're performing as a team. But we can take all of that. I mean, sometimes if the store manager's not in, no one's going to see it. So right. they're completely flying blind. But with a screen in the back office, we can real time show them even to like the latest 15 minutes or even quicker, it depends on the system. We can actually see how people are, how it's performing, how they're, how they're doing that and get those messages consistently. I have a bit of nerdy facts about this because this is obviously my life, basically. <laughs> 80% of the active workforce globally is considered deskless. 80%. Wow. Right? I am so, so in my bubble. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And we all are. We all are. Because if you work in an office and if you have historically worked in an office in like a metropolitan area, you just think that's what everyone does. Yeah. But if you think about the whole planet, um, it's 80 percent. It's something like I think the active workforce is something like 2.7 billion people. It like to you know, take away children and, and retired people and anything and people who can't work. It's 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 honestly it's most of it. It's our educators. It's our it's all those people delivering all this stuff to us. It's, all, it's basically all the heroes of the last year and a half. Right. This is the people. This is the people that we like to try and serve and connect. And and often they feel really like forgotten by the business that they work in. And there, there is a there's sort of a cultural divide between those up in HQ and those out on the front lines. And I think COVID made that e- cultural divide even wider. Right. Where we could all stay at home and stay safe, but they had to go out and still serve and still like get the job done so that we could eat so that we could order things online and Amazon deliveries every day and all of the stuff that right. we did. And like our kind of mission, if you were to really boil it down is to try and connect companies in a better way uh, with employee engagement between teams and to make everyone empathize and understand the role of the other. Yeah. So that those guys in the ivory tower aren't actually quite as, you know, who do you think they are? They're actually really doing a really good and important job too. So we try and tell the stories both ways. Yeah. It's not, you know, and just my belief is that if you can just make a tiny incremental change into how people feel about their work, if you put that out at scale, the whole world changes just a tiny, tiny thing. And and that's what we're trying to educate clients on. And historically, our industry has been a bit more obsessed with the screen itself because we're born out of the audiovisual world, which is historically the only way you could do it was with quite bespoke um, hardware and things like that. But now you can do it with just regular TVs you can get in Best Buy or something. And I am trying to change the narrative on this to go, let's think less about how we work with screens and more about why we work with screens and what we should be doing and be a bit more intentional with the content. So you got one of my favorite subjects, so I'm just ranting away. <laughs> you <laughs> no, want to go edit all this out. Yeah, okay, thanks, mate. Cheers. <laughs> no, I'm curious what inspired you guys to build this. Like, What was the pain that was happening and that excited you to build the solution? So it's strange enough, it's nothing to do with what I just said. Uh, like, And I, 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 I'm a real believer in this. Like, Our journey... In this journey started for us with some R&D we were doing back in 2014. I've been working with my co-founders since 2004, so a long time we've been working yeah. together. We had a, a, a digital agency right. and we started to build our own products. And this was one of the products. And the reason for it was I was doing a kind of a sort of a, a, an MBA at the time, part-time and the MBA subject was my own business. So it was quite, it was an interesting thing. So I was trying to basically grow our SMB company. We we're a small you know, business back then my tutor at UCL, he kept saying to me, I'm not very personally, I'm not, I'm not a numbers guy. I've never been very good with numbers. I'm a bit kind of phobic of it. I'm getting better. I'm getting better, (laughs) but I'm working on it. But for me to understand numbers and to really feel comfortable with them, I need to see them constantly and start to kind of basically, I don't know, become friends with them. So that sounds weird, but like not just look at it once. Cause as soon as I see a spreadsheet, my eyes just go, Oh, numbers. But if I see I see them enough, I, I kind of start to get pain. familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd say there's a lot of people and it's embarrassing. I'm CEO. I'm supposed to be like all over this. But for me, I was like, well, can't we get these up on screens in our office? So I just wanted to put three screens up. It wasn't a big office. Right. And I looked into it and I got quotes back for like $10,000. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I just want to show like spreadsheets on there yeah. and just have it update. Like this isn't that technical. And it was around the same time that... Um, 
Chromecast and Amazon Fire yeah. TV was first coming out. Yeah. And so Luke, my partner, uh, CTO, was like, I think I could make these devices work and we could just put a regular TV, like a you know $400 yeah. TV up on yeah. the wall with a Chromecast and we could, we could make that work. So we did. And what it did is open up the market to all these smaller businesses who historically would have had quotes like that for like 10 right. grand or... Because the margins in this game, if you're selling hardware, are thin. Right. So you want right. to sell 50 screens. You want to sell right. installation services and content. Right. Not to a small business with three screens. It's like, they don't want to spend that much money. They can't. Right, right, right. It's not worth it. Yeah. So we made it worth it. We said, look, you know what? You can use consumer hardware and we can internet connect it. And then we'll build apps to make you get Excel or Google Sheets or Google Drive or whatever, or PowerPoint up on a screen. And you can do this yourself. It was the idea was to be like MailChimp for screens and to sort of democratize it. And we did that. We were probably the first in the market to be doing that. Now we have a lot of copycats doing it, which is kind of why we're moving a bit more up market because there's a bit of a price war going on, which we're not right. so interested in. But obviously for the first few years, it was just to see if we could. And you know, there was a lot of people from the incumbent industry were like, oh no, you can't use consumer hardware. Like that's not professional. Well, it's my TV survived enough Netflix binges to tell me that it can do it. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of where, that's where we come from, really. And how large is your team? You talked about you're in three different countries. Is it three or yes. four? Well, it's it's three countries, four locations, because Northern Ireland's part of Great Britain. So Got it's Great it. Britain and Northern Ireland, the UK. Ah, but there's two you. locations. And how many people are a part of your team? So uh, the whole team is now 105 people. Um, we're yeah, I know it's a lot of responsibility. (laughs) Yeah. And, and growing by the day, we're very engineering and product focused. I really believe in a product driven growth and that's, I'm biased because, you know, me and Luke, Luke is much more technical than me, but I was a developer back in the day too. And so we really believe that product first rather and then kind of marketing and sales comes once you've got the fit and there's a lot of moving parts to what we do so we have like actually got two-thirds of our company are engineers which is really high and our engineering is done in thailand and in northern ireland then our go-to-market team are in la yeah um and also in london we also do like rest of world go-to-market um finance and like you know all of the other bits and bobs you have to do the people most of the people team are there and things like that and why LA? What attracted you to be in LA versus like say San Francisco or even New York? And I imagine no to New York because London kind of covers that, but I mean is that why or It's a really good question. Can I tell a little story yeah, first before I tell do. you my answer? Yes. So, um This is this a was podcast actually, after all. <laughs> yeah, well true, true. I hope I hope yeah, I hope it's good for people. So I it, it, this was like after the event, so like in fairness we'd already made our decision, but I knew why we made a good decision. I went to a dinner that was organized by a venture capitalist that I know in, in, in London. And he said, I, I, I want to put all smart founders in a room together at different stages. Right. Um, and like wildly different stages. So right. I was kind of more at the early one. And right. there was like people there from like ServiceNow and stuff. So like floated, multi billion. So that was cool. And it, we were all Brits, but mainly we were Brits with a, who our main market is America. And Screen Cloud's 70% revenue is America. And uh, it got round to the more experienced people in, in the room and we talked about the States and like, how do you tackle the States when you're coming, you know, because we originally didn't start there. Right. Everyone laughed and went, everyone defaults New York, right? Everyone in Britain defaults New York. The reason is it's fast flight. Yeah. We all probably already have friends there. Like I yeah. literally, my God kids live there and my yeah. best friends live there. And it's a city that's culturally very close to Europe yeah. uh, in terms of how it operates. And so we all default New York. Yeah. But he said, look, to be honest, you shouldn't do that. Firstly, if you're going to do New York, you've got to go in big like, right. and, and really kind of get a decent sized team or no one in New York takes you seriously. Secondly, and you can tell me if this is wrong. Yeah. He said, if you're selling into America, the rest of America from New York, that's not actually that well received. And we have customers in every state, right? We're well yeah. spread across the whole yeah. of, of America. So Americans would prefer to be sold to by Brits than by New Yorkers, <laughs> allegedly. That is true. I don't true. know how true this is. No, I think that is true. I think I think a lot of Americans uh, have something about the English accent. <laughs> yeah, and and, and 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 for some reason that um, and the, the politeness, York- the cordialness. Yeah. Yeah, on the whole, we're fairly polite, but you know, <laughs> you never know. Um, but and, and so anyone says like, stop defaulting New York, and also you can, as you said, you can cover the time zone pretty well. 
and really you should be thinking West Coast because then you get that full coverage between uh, the two sides. And if you're thinking West Coast, well, San Francisco is the obvious choice, but it's extremely competitive, very expensive. And it wasn't so much the money that put me off, but what really put me off was I looked at the average tenure of like people working in startups there. And you have people like there for just one year and then they invest some shares and move. And that's not our culture. Like we've got people who've worked inside of Screen Cloud, but they've worked for us before since 2004 Mm. and other people since 2009 and 10. Like we, we have long-term deep relationships with, with our team. And generally speaking, people stay quite a long time. And one of the reasons things work here is because there's a bit more family vibe to it. People are really bought in. They're not just here for a quick smash and grab, like, Oh, I've got some shares and some money and I'm off. And, and I don't blame people. If that's the game, that's the game, but it's not really a game that we play. And in Thailand is definitely not that culture in Britain. It's maybe 50, 50 on that. And I wanted to go to a city where I felt that culturally we were closer aligned. I got to know some people from New York who actually worked for a competitor of ours based in LA. Yeah. Um, and um, that was so there was a bit of serendipity to it. And so uh, we were speaking and then he said, look, I want to come, you know, I'll, I'll come and work for you. We kind of offered that as well as a sort of right. mutual thing. And he said, look, we can build a great team here, yeah. especially go to market. There's excellent salespeople, excellent marketers. This is I mean, think of LA. It's like yeah, we're you know, all bubbly. The bubbly, they're bubbly. They're charming. They can chat. They're universally pretty well liked. I think, and it's actually very convenient. Like you can get anywhere from LA. You can fly anywhere in the states and mm-hmm. and overseas. So for a global yeah. company like us, uh, it just seemed like a really good choice. And I learned a bit more about like the infrastructure of LA is improving drastically yeah. uh, with the Olympics coming, and I think the Super Bowl, and it's going to get a bit more commuter friendly. That's the one thing about LA that was a bit Ugh, like, oh, yeah. wow. Traffic it's definitely is, not commuter friendly. <laughs> it's a bit, yeah, a bit full on. Um, but I think that's starting to improve a bit, like, and, and over time that will improve mm-hmm. there. So so there was, an, a, a, you know, I spoke to someone who also told me, is like, you know, if you think back over the last century, LA was the jewel in the crown of California. And then, you know, little city just a bit further north went, all right, and they sort of stole the prize a bit. And now it's time for like LA to kind of come back and, and show its teeth mm. and be like, no, LA is the major city of, I've been of, telling, of California. Yeah, I've been telling a lot of people, I think LA post pandemic is going to be stronger than it was pre pandemic, um, at mm. least as a tech community. I'm really excited about. So, from what I know, you're kind of like, you travel back and forth. You're yes. co founder is actually relocating to LA full time. And then you have a team in LA, which is so exciting. So, I mean, it's really exciting how much you're planting your seeds in LA. What do you all do to immerse yourself in the LA tech community? Meaning when you're just coming here, it's for me, it's the most curious question I have because I think, I think LA isn't a tourist city. It's marketed as a tourist city, but it's not actually a tourist city because it's so big. Yeah. And it's so everywhere. <laughs> like if you don't know where to go and what to do, I feel like it would be really easy to get lost here. You need insider yeah. knowledge. You definitely yeah. need insider knowledge. I, I actually, I think London's the same. Um, it's nowhere near, it doesn't, isn't as sprawling as LA, but like it is, it, it has a wide mass and, yeah. you know, like the local versus tourist knowledge. Like that's it, why people, there's certain parts that people just don't live in because they're like, oh yeah, that's right. where the tourists go. But like, this is where the real world happens. <laughs> like, right, you right. know, and it does kind of blend a little bit, but like it, it doesn't as well. And I think, I think um, any big city is probably a bit like that. I think we need to do a better job of immersing ourselves. I think we were just kind of, cause the team was quite small and then we were just about to ramp up and then pandemic hit and that kind of put yeah. everything on pause. Cause you know, it was a tough year for us because I mean, screens go in places that then got shut. Yeah. Like, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, we feel like we've kind of been through a, you know, like many businesses, yeah. like we weren't completely destroyed by it, but we were, we were hurt by it. Right. Um, but thankfully we had segments of our, you know, verticals, which I said, like they couldn't close right. and didn't. And so 
it wasn't as bad as it could have been, but it was it was pretty rough. But we had to we had to kind of like put a bit of pause on our growth plans. Right now, this year things are kind of coming back and, and, and sort of roaring back actually now, which is nice. Like we're back in the game again, yay! <laughs> um, so LA is going to be uh, a team that grows significantly. It's probably going to be the fastest growing team now that we've got because um, engineering is pretty mature. It right. will keep growing, but but the go to market side is now. We're getting into our growth stage. We're past 10 million ARR. We're, we're kind of grow, we're, we've got pretty aggressive growth plans. So LA is going to be heart and soul of that. I think it's been really hard to uh, immerse ourselves when we've not been able to travel. Like yeah. I was usually on a plane all the time. Then yeah. I just wasn't. It's been the weirdest right, right. time. I found, found Twitter's quite helpful. In fact, actually, that's yeah. how I kind of connected with you guys, wasn't yeah. it? It was through Twitter. Yeah. And I am seeing the kind of the community there is starting to, to sort of come together a little bit. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of founder meetups, sort of informal ones, people putting on a dinner and things like that, which really reminds me of, of kind of how the London tech scene and the San Francisco tech scene got going. Was this sort of natural coming together of, of like-minded people, sharing ideas and thoughts and and just supporting each other, you know, right. investing in each other and supporting each other, which is what any healthy ecosystem needs to do. And it's best done in that kind of behind closed doors, like dinners and things like that, because that's when people can be honest about the struggles because it's not easy doing this. And right. Sometimes I'm, I mean, I'm being fairly honest with you. I just told you about our struggles last yeah. year. Like, yeah. but I think a lot of people do put a very big front of like, everything's awesome all the I time. Know. And it I'm drives like, me crazy. it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, drives me I've been crazy. running my own thing since 2004. Like I've, I've just been too weathered. <laughs> I've yeah. been in financial crisis, dot-com crash or came <laughs> out of dot-com crash. And, uh, Life goes up and down and, and anyone who's built a business has had struggles. Uh, it's just, I just defy anyone uh, to, uh, to not have had that. And I think that the people that I, I get the most inspiration from and the most knowledge from is, is others who've been there before me. And they tend to be quite humble because they, they also respect the journey too. And, you know, so I think that, that the more that that can happen and happen in real life where people can build trust I think the better. So hopeful, like these things will continue. Hopefully this recovery carries on. So some of the hashtags, I think Twitter is a great way to plug into the community and some of the hashtags to follow. So everybody knows hashtag tech LA, hashtag long LA, hashtag Silicon Beach LA. Is there any particular way you would recommend searching? Like how do you utilize Twitter to plug into LA tech? Ah, well, um, so again, I kind of go down the rabbit hole uh, with... Um, I, I always very interested when I see on Twitter, um, any founder that's been either talked about, retweeted or often in the thread, I always look at their bio. I'm always, I'm just permanently curious about who they are and, and I love just following them. And then once you kind of start following a few LA people, then when they start talking to each other, you start seeing more and you kind of build that picture up. So, um, it was literally just through, through being curious and following threads and just always looking at bios and things like that. And then any founder that's in LA, I always connect with them on LinkedIn and Twitter and reach out and just introduce myself. Yeah, I just find people are really responsive that way and kind of, they think it's cool. I think we're all on a bit of a mission, you know? I, I agree. I agree. A couple uh, questions about immersing yourself in LA for everybody just moving to LA. One is that's why We Are LA Tech exists is, uh, you know, mm. I mean, We Are LA Tech is me with this unusually like large heart and motivation to love a lot of people. I blame it on being a Pisces. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so it's just like, I'm not a tourism board or anything, but like if you're moving to LA and you're trying to get plugged into tech, just shoot me a message on Twitter. And then I just go out of my way for some unusual reason, literally unusual. Whoa. I don't ask you to pay me. I don't ask you. It's, I don't understand I mean, that's literally, why I like, do it. <laughs> I replied to a thread and, 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 you know, suddenly we were talking and you yeah. invited me on this and, you know, you're giving us this, this exposure to the scene and to the community, which is so valuable. I think, I mean, like, I'm a big believer of the pay it forward uh, kind of school of thought. Uh, yeah. One, because it just makes you a better person. And two, Without it, like, you don't want to, like, tit for tat on it. But if you make the first move and you make that positive move and you have that positive energy and genuine, like, altruistic desire just to make things better, people gravitate towards that. That's the kind of people that people want to help. That's the sort of person that comes first to your mind when you're thinking about, you know, who to connect with, who to work with. And I find that it always pays back 
you just yeah. got to play a long game. And I think that's obviously what you're doing, which is fabulous. And, you know, like this is how ecosystems thrive. It, it is, it is, it needs a little push at the, at the beginning, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's like the, uh, the bread, like the little maker. Yeah. I thought, what's that thing? The sourdough you have, like you have your little thing, you keep it in the fridge and stuff and you, out of oh, that you grow yeah, your bread. Oh yeah, and eat like grow, yes. I know what oh, you're I talking about. What I haven't is. done terrible... it before, but I, I know what you're, I know what you're talking and about. You, you got to keep it alive. It's like yeah. a Tamagotchi thing. You got to keep it alive. Like <laughs> otherwise it's like, That's it's quite really a lot cool. of responsibility, bread. It's actually a really cool <laughs> analogy. I, um, I just can't I, remember what it's called. What is it called. I think it's cool. I think it's cool though, that I'm not an office space. I'm not a law firm. I'm not, I don't have some back end thing that I'm trying to do. Mm. I'm just an unusually loving person. <laughs> like, like, you know, and I, I think it's cool. It's also something, I mean, TMI, but I need to work on, on my own boundaries and figure out to make sure I'm okay in the process of all this giving. But literally, like a company was like, I'm trying to do a shoot. I don't know where to do a shoot. I spent three hours like reaching out to my contacts to find them all the different options to do a shoot. It's like, I don't know. I'm going to be all over your DMs. I'm like, right, we need this. I'm looking for, I'm really looking for account executives. I need some SDRs. And I got so excited doing it. I felt like I won a game finding them these like amazing places. I was like, oh, wow. Like, look at that. You know, I don't know. Very, I'm a very, very unusual person. Anyway, will, it, enough about it. It will me. evolve, but but it will evolve, and I think the the obvious fit will will just naturally surface. And uh, like my mom always told me, like don't chase the money, just do the right work, and the money comes. And uh, and I really believe yeah. that that's true. And you know, I've always played the longer game, um, yeah. and still playing the long game. <laughs> um, uh, but then, you know, it, like, I mean, there is that thing you've probably heard the infinite game. Have you heard that sort of phrase? No. It's, a, it's kind of it's the infinite game. It's a Simon Sinek thing, which is like, you know, if you're playing short games, you're, you're always looking for, well, if I do this, I'll get that by then. And, but if you're playing an infinite game, like the whole point of a short game is that it ends, you know, you, you go and oh, play a computer game. You want it to, you want to beat the other person or something. But if your game is like, well, this is just my life, then it's infinite. It's 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 the rest of your life, um, and therefore your your whole attitude isn't to like win the next move. It's to stay in the game, right? Right. And if you're by staying in the game, you're 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 basically bringing positive energy and and help and service to it. Then the game will ultimately reward you back for that in the long term. Or you've got to believe that that will happen. Right. If you're playing short games, like effectively games which are finite. It's it's about well I need this to end quickly and gain something so I can then go and play another game. Right, and right, then, right. So I think your 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 natural gravity, your your sort of sphere of personality is is clearly naturally towards the infinite game, which is like man, me, I, I should don't read wanna... up on the infinite game. I had it. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, I love I think it's, it's a speech. Yeah, it's a speech he gave. It's really it's good. It's it's really you know good. Where I'll be going after you know, this interview. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's definitely something in it and. You know, I don't want to ever retire. Like, you know, yeah. I, like I mean, Screen Cloud may well be sold one day. There'll need to be a liquidity event at some point for investors, but right. that can be done in different ways. That doesn't right. mean we have to, because a lot of people are like, "Well, what's you, when are you going to exit? When are you going to exit?" I'm like, I'm trying to solve a problem, a really big problem, and help companies solve their big problems, which I don't think will ever go away. The problem of communicating is 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 constant. <laughs> like. And even when we get loads of tools to help us, we get worse at it. Like social media is making communication go downhill, not uphill in some respects. And people are feeling overwhelmed. That's what we see a lot. Right. Overwhelmed with email, overwhelmed with Slack. So getting through to people through the noise has become tougher. That get, that, that problem is never going to go away. And right. I'm even only planning to make incremental differences. So this thing will go on forever because if you're in love with the problem or in love with the idea, then why would you ever want it to end? It's <laughs> oh, beautiful. I love that. One more question. It's more a selfish question because I love software. What is your go-to like mobile app or website? Like what do you love? Ah, right. Well, my favorite at the moment is this one I'm wearing on my wrist, uh, which is called the Whoop Band. Have you, do you know oh, the Whoop Band? Oh, I have. Go ahead, tell everybody about the Whoop. Yes. So the Whoop is is basically, if you're a bit into, I know I said I wasn't very into numbers, but I am into data and learning about things. Um, and so I've learned so much about kind of myself uh, from and my mood and how it reflects on how I've slept and how my heart rate is and all of these types of things. So the Whoop is like constantly feeding information into the app and my phone. 
and I'm getting almost like real-time feedback. And it's really interesting when I don't get good recovery, which can be both like just bad sleep or just kind of stress and, and all that sort of thing. And how I feel subsequently, I, I really feel the difference. And when I'm well recovered, I just feel great. Like I had a really good night's sleep last night, which is why I'm quite bubbly today, and kind of like <laughs> bouncing around. Um, so I really enjoy that. Like, um, and uh, I think, and also because it's got the IoT side of things of a connectable device and the internet, which is yeah. kind of my thing as well. So that's yes. my favorite at the moment. Whoop. I have the, the Aura Ring. So oh, I, I was right. researching yes, yes. Aura Ring versus Whoop. Which one do I want to do? Yeah. You know what? The, the only reason I didn't go that route was because I, I just, I don't wear ring. I haven't got any rings on my fingers oh, and I really? wasn't sure if I would find And I didn't really want to wear a watch all the time. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's it. That's it. I mean, I bet That's you there's so product funny. managers on both sides scratching their head going, what's the big thing? It's like, it's that. <laughs> it's just that. That's so <laughs> there funny. There you go, guys. Um, <laughs> there's your insight. <laughs> what LA tech person or company have you come across that you just has really impressed you? Right. I'm going to give a shout out to a company I actually just angel invested in uh, called Buzzcast. So uh, Buzzcast, they're brand new. They came out of the event space. So like yeah. high end events. Right. Um, and they ran an agency which would basically produce really high end events. Right. And then during the lockdown, they basically did a enterprise version of Hopin. So everyone knows Hopin. Like yes. You kind of went, woo. There we go. That's how you do events but online. But just in case people don't know Hopin, it's just an event software for conference, virtual conferences. Yeah. And it's probably for smaller ones. So Buzzcast is for ones where you've maybe got like 100,000 people coming, multiple tracks and really high-end production, even nice. if it's a full-on online. Yeah. And they're very much set up to be online and in-person. So they're longer term. They think that every in-person event will have an online version. I agree with that. It really just expands out to the people who couldn't travel whatever it might be and they're pros they're total pros they know this space inside out so i on through angel list um i do angel investments um small ones i'm little a little check guy uh that yeah. just but helpful little check guy Listen, I'll, I'll a add. little check goes a long way so <laughs> it does yes. it does and um and you know what i put in through the syndicate that was raising with buzzcast i was super impressed with them and i reached out to them and so i'm going to give them um a big you know virtual high five there we go i, love I think it. that look out for them i think they had an incredible year inevitably but i think they have an incredible future ahead of them and they are very long la so what would your recommendation be to someone just landing in la wanting to get immersed in the culture and in the tech space and they don't even know where to live or what to do or or anything they have no connections what would you say well i suppose it would be it would be a tricky one but i would, I would say make connections but Making connections isn't as hard as everyone um, thinks because I find the culture is very open and friendly and um, it's also a vast, vast city. And like I just even put out messages on Facebook very going back like four years right. where I was like, didn't really know that many people. And sure enough, friends of friends were like, oh, my, my really good friends are in LA. And I was like, okay. And I was like, oh, that's yeah, probably a bit of an imposition to ask them. You know what? The first time I was over there, they had me around for dinner. They took me out. Um, we had a lovely dinner um, kind of by the beach. Um, they were racking their brains like, who can we get to help? Who can we introduce you to? And straight away, they came up with some people. And they were like, they were literally on their phone texting them straight away. They're like, oh, you know, Mark's in town. He really could do with like a chat. And they were like, yeah, I can make some time tomorrow. And I was like, oh, my God, like these people don't owe me anything at all. <laughs> like right. it's a friend of a friend. And I think that you just, you need someone to help you navigate. And I think, you know, I think it's impossible, well, not impossible, but really, really tough if you're just completely alien to the culture to just, you're really in the lap of the gods there of how that's going to go for you. But I think everyone understands that. And is that, is that a little bit like how I think about founders going through their early stages? Right. I like to try and help them because right. I've been through it and I think we always kind of almost look back and want to like lend out a helping hand to those that are just coming in and just knowing that if we all, we're all better together if we just help each other out. So I, I just find that with a, just even a little bit of digging, you can probably get an introduction and an introduction gets you another one. And then you just start to get a sense of it and you build this picture. And I've always found this with any subject that I'm new to. So whether it's a location or, or uh, a, you know, uh, a new technical problem or a new, whatever it might be, a new customer vertical, 
when I start to hear the same things coming from different people, the same thoughts, I feel like I've kind of reached a sort of invisible perimeter of the subject. And I've got, okay, so here's the core things. And I keep hearing this repeated and this. And so I start to kind of move towards those, those either those areas or those people or whatever it might be. And you just start to refine your knowledge down. I don't know if that's a bit, it's a bit out there as a kind of idea, but basically find a friend, but, but the people are, are up for helping. And how can people connect with you? Um, well, yeah. Uh, so I am yeah, pretty uh, active on social. Um, for my sins, I actually quite like LinkedIn. I know that it often gets derived like LinkedIn. No, I, I actually quite great. like it. I find there's a lot of positive energy on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm yeah, Mark McDermott and ScreenCloud on LinkedIn. On Twitter, I'm uh, Mr. Underscore McD. Or just email me, uh, mark at screencloud.com. And, you know, especially like anyone in the LA tech scene, we want to become like a, a you know a positive part of this community here. We are growing here. We're, we're small, have been historically small here. We want to get much bigger here. Um, we're long LA, very long LA. We're not going to San Francisco next year. Trust me, it's not happening. And um, we want to we want to create a, a positivity in the community and contribute to it. And also, you know, just be a part of this this amazing city. So reach out, and we'd love to connect and talk. And we'll include everything in the show notes. And so that's at MR underscore MCD on Twitter and M-A-R-K, last name M-C-D-E-R-M-O-T-T on LinkedIn. Mark, thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast. What's one thing that we could all do to support and accelerate you here in our community? Ah, well, if you see any blank screens on a wall, you know that there's a better way we could be using that screen. So let's have no more blank screens or cable news and let's have screen cloud on that screen. Um, that would be amazing. So if you've got a blank screen and you want to show better content, then screen cloud's there and hit me up. I'll do you a good deal because my LA friends could get a good deal. <laughs> Am I going to get millions of emails now going, what a free screen? <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> my investors yeah. hopefully not listening to that one. <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more amazing people in the LA Tech community. Remember, go to the wearelatech.com slash community. That's wearelatech.com slash community. Say hello on social at We Are LA Tech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Mark McDermott, and I'm the CEO of ScreenCloud. We're a SaaS platform for digital signage, and we're based in Santa Monica. You're listening to We Are LA Tech. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.